Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome. Welcome, everyone, to episode 161 of the Trust the Plan podcast. My name is Nick Hopwood. And I'm Jim Pilot. And today we're going to do a market update. So maybe it'll be published in a couple weeks, but today is the 17th. We're going to go based on today's data. Okay. <laughs> so go. it's been a few months since we did a market update. I, uh, I can't remember exactly when the last one was, but I remember vividly doing one in June mm-hmm. in the other studio when... Uh, Maybe was it June? I don't know. I think, I think so. It seems and so, about right? Because that was at the point of the market low. It, it seems like when the market's at its worst is when we. Yeah, uh, that's right. It seemed to, we seem to time it well to come yeah. up with the market update. <laughs> so I think at that point the market was down twenty five percent from the from the peak. Actually, in October we were at a minus twenty seven percent, and we've had a rally off the October lows, mm-hmm. and now here we are in mid January. Actually, up like four percent year to date, yeah. which feels good. Mm-hmm. But the S and P is still minus like seventeen percent from the all time high. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's where we are today. A lot has changed since June. Um, the biggest story, you know, of twenty two was the Fed and inflation. Mm-hmm. And as we know, inflation was running at nine point one percent headline CPI in June, and the Fed was really starting to get aggressive with the rate hikes, mm-hmm. right? So since then, right, what's happened with inflation? It's finally started to, to slow. It's kind of, the, the, it's peaked, right? And it that was the peak, down. I think. Yeah, yeah, it started to finally come down, which is very welcome to see. And I think the market sees that uh, is very optimistic. Right. So the, the headline number was 6.5% mm-hmm. for December, which is, you know, we're always a month late on that data. Mm-hmm. But there's a really interesting... Fed website, uh, like we always look at the GDP now from the Atlanta Fed, but the Cleveland Fed has inflation now, which is really mm-hmm. interesting to look at. And it's kind of like a, a real-time gauge, right? They're looking mm-hmm. at the real-time numbers. And so what we've seen is really volatile energy prices, right? Mm-hmm. Like gas prices, um, but they're off the peak, right? Which makes sense. We've seen uh, housing um, start to, to go down. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the way that they calculate the CPI, it takes forever for it to really make a meaningful yeah. difference because the way they calculate it, assuming like a rolling rent mm-hmm. equivalent and like you move out and you find a new place, the rent's higher, but if you're still in the same place, the rent stays the same. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, <laughs> it's kind of weird, but, um, as a landlord, right, we did see a lot of pricing power and that's kind of eroded a little bit mm-hmm. so interesting yeah so the rent has kind of peaked i think i think housing prices have peaked mm-hmm. right so like doesn't mean they're crashing they're just no. they stopped going up yeah at that they, they were going up at an unsustainable rate so yeah used cars have come down um yeah i just got a quote to trade in my boat and that came down mm-hmm. <laughs> my old boat so i think that that's really good news with inflation no, I agree. Some of those things you just mentioned, you know, the price of used cars coming down, housing, those are really big numbers and big ticket items, and they've they've definitely um, slowed. However, mm-hmm. food, food is still, mm-hmm. you know, really bad. Like like the eggs and everything. Yeah. Like 
when it rains, it pours. Mm-hmm. You know, we have all these inflationary pressures, and then a bird flu, right? Right. I couldn't. I'm not kidding. When I saw how much the eggs were, I thought something. I thought I was in the twilight zone because I didn't hear about the bird flu yet. Yeah. And I was like, what the? <laughs> like, what's going on? You Shocking, know? right? Like, what's going on? Yeah. And it, you know what? It is what it is. I still bought the eggs. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, the other thought. The other thought about inflation is that when you look month over month. Okay, these 6% numbers are year over year, but when you look month over month, since June, it's been like 0.0, 0.1, 0.2. Last month, it was negative 0.1. And so what we see with you know, 0.1.2, if that continues, by May, inflation will be 3% mm-hmm. year over year. The math, that's mm-hmm. the way the math works. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's really exciting. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, it doesn't mean that's going to happen, but it's coming down. But it, yeah, but it shows we're going the right direction. Yeah. Things are, you know, the, the interest rate hikes have started to, to kind of take their toll to, to slow down. Yeah, and, and I think what a lot of people are missing is the M2, the, mo- the money supply. You know, think, think of all the money in the bank, right? All the checking and savings accounts. This is basically M2 where where the bank takes the deposit and then they loan the money out into and they have a money multiplier effect and and anyway m2 was exploding in 2020 and 21 why because Mm -hmm. subsidies right yeah like paying you to stay home paying you not to work and that was the policy during the covid yeah um that was the you know the policy all the stimulus that was passed in yeah. addition the fed was buying over a hundred billion dollars of bonds every month more more money into the economy and so m2 exploded 40 percent of all dollars that were created were since covid mm-hmm. okay think about that wow it's remarkable yep and so there's all this extra money creating the inflation and so uh m2 all like the back half of last year or almost all the year was was zero if not negative mm-hmm. okay so those inflationary pressures are gone mm-hmm. I think and I'm I'm not an economist I'm not a PhD <laughs> economist but I did take a lot of econ classes mm-hmm. I, I have an econ degree um, and I read a lot of important um, who I think are important people on, on this topic and a lot of them are saying the M2 is the key it's mm-hmm. not the Fed. It's the M2, okay. which is already flat, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this delayed effect. So M2 exploded, and then inflation came the next year. Well, now inflation, now M2 is flat, and so the inflation's going away, mm-hmm. right? It's a delayed effect. Now, the Fed raising rates, let's kind of talk about that. They're pumping the brakes on the economy, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so far, right, the fourth quarter GDP is, according to Atlanta Fed, 4% which is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and third quarter was, I think, 3%, but the first half was negative. So everyone's talking about uh, recession the first half of last year. Mm-hmm. Technically, there are two negative g- quarterly GDP prints, right. which everyone thinks that's the definition of recession. And then all of a sudden, Q3 and Q4 are much better. So the, the, whole, the year as a whole looks much better. Okay, And looking into next year, Right, 
crystal ball, who knows? But with the Fed at over 4%, they're pumping the brakes, right? One would expect a slowdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It... So are we seeing it yet? Some areas, some mm-hmm. areas not. Really smart people that I read think that it's going to be really bad. And other really smart people I read think that we're threading that needle where we have raised rates, M2 is flat, inflation's rolling over, and we're still gaining jobs every month. That's the one thing, right, that, that keeps uh, not agreeing with the recession story is that the jobs, jobs have been good. Companies are still hiring. Yep. So if the Fed is really trying to pump the brakes and they're going to keep these rates high, I don't think they're going to raise very much more. But if they keep these rates high for a long amount of time, it is a breaking mechanism on, for the economy as a whole. And so you'd expect things to slow down a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. When? I don't know. In theory, they've been raising since what? Since March? So yeah. so like nine months they've been raising? Ten months? Mm-hmm. So here, here's one of the biggest questions we get though, right? Is if, we, if there's a recession coming, right? Doesn't that mean we should get out of the market? Legitimate question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think that it, get, it, get, it gets asked a lot of us recently, you know, people want to know, is now the time to get out if there's a recession coming? Um, you know, you know, the way I answer it, and I'll let you answer it as well, but I mean, I think I always like to look at, um, you know, the market is a leading indicator, right? Where we, we're, the market's not surprised that there could be a recession next year. The market's not surprised that things have been bad. The market's not surprised that rates are high, right? They were surprised a while ago and that's why it's down, but now it's begun to look forward and anticipate, you know, profit slowdowns and things like that. Um, so just because there's a recession coming to me doesn't necessarily mean that the market's going to crash. The market's gonna follow suit. So. Yeah, so the market already went down 27% mm-hmm. because it thought the sky was falling and we've had a bear market rally. That's all we can really say it is at this point is a bear mm-hmm. market rally, but right, we are holding those October 12th lows and and an average recession would be in the 30 minus 30 point minus 30 something percent drawdown we hit 27 so not quite average but still very painful mm-hmm. um, so that could it could be the low could be I don't know mm-hmm. we could have another low a new low coming but like you said the market is a forward-looking mechanism and so Right now, since uh, October twelfth, right, we're we're up, mm-hmm. okay, pretty good amount. Um, you know, January has been a good start, pretty, by a pretty good amount, mm-hmm. and so it's the market is kind of buying into the threading the needle story at the mm-hmm. moment. If it starts thinking recession, you know, tomorrow, mm-hmm. well, then we could be heading back down for that October low, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that the whole year is garbage, right? Because Right, it could be a drawdown in the first quarter, first half, followed by the forward-looking aspect of seeing that the recession will be over and sunny, blue skies are coming again, and then you could have, you know, a rally into the second half, or you could have like the 2000, 2001, 2002 parallel, where it's kind of like a double dip, mm-hmm. but right, we had the, well, I don't know if you call, I don't know if we call it a double dip, but you had the Nasdaq bubble mm-hmm. right so market crash tech parable mm-hmm. uh, recession um, and then kind of just 
starting to come out of the recession, and then 9-11, which, thing, you know, yeah. shit was a whole new storm. So, you know, you think about a double dip in that regard. But that was three years of market losses. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right now, we're at one year. Yeah. And so, if you have a parallel with 2000, there are some parallels, but it's not perfect. Then you could say, this is just a bear market rally. There are new lows coming, and it's it's going to be long, drawn out pain. You know, and this is the this is what we have to pay for for all the free money. Yeah, from definitely, COVID. Definitely right. the the culprit there. Yeah. You know, another guy, a smart guy, I heard just one of our strategists talked about, um, you know, thinking that there probably is a recession coming and thinking that the market could be overpriced because of that recession. But he says, but the market is not always fairly valued, right? Just because he thinks the market is overpriced doesn't mean the market's going to act overpriced and it doesn't mean the market's going to pull back, right? The market all the time is not priced correctly, right? Yeah, the pendulum always <laughs> overswings, right? Yeah, so just because there may be a recession coming doesn't mean that the market follows. The market can look, maybe it thinks it's a short recession and it's willing to look past it and the prices stay high and the multiples go up because earnings drop. But in the end, you know, second half of the year, you know, we get back to a fair multiples because earnings have started to increase again and the market never really felt the dip that the economy saw. So let's talk about interest rates high for a second, okay? Because a couple things. Number one, if you were a stock investor, okay, and now you are looking at corporate bonds and you can make like, let's say 6%, Mm -hmm. That might make you think, well, maybe I shouldn't put all my money into stock. Maybe I should have some of this money in fixed income at 6%. That looks pretty good, mm -hmm. right? So before we had this, there is no alternative to stock mindset for some people. Mm -hmm. And now there are legitimate competition for stock money, right? right? I mean, 6%. Like we, we put together these financial plan projections and we always just put in 5%. Mm -hmm. Well, someone might say, well, if I can make six, that pretty well, with much less risk Low, than I have right now, like, risk, like, yeah. why don't we do that, right? It's a legitimate question, okay? Um, so there, that's one thing where that could take money away from stock. Another thing, right? Some guy, I have a, a rental. Someone moved out, it's for lease. Mm -hmm. Some guy calls me and says he wants to buy it, right? And long story short, he ended up saying, you know, I can't get the numbers to work because the mortgage rates are so high, right? Mm -hmm. Well, there you have it, right? Mm -hmm. We have dampened economic activity <laughs> because right. the the cost of money is too high. Right. And that's what the Fed Perfect wants. Perfect example of it working. Yeah. yeah, that's what the Fed wants. Last year, bidding more, right? Right. Because money's free, okay? So yeah, there's an example. True. What else with the market, okay? So... Last two weeks, we saw a couple nice moves. And on the NYSE, which is different than the Dow and the S&P and NASDAQ, but on the NYSE, we had what we call a breadth thrust. Mm -hmm. Breadth. B-R-E-A-D-T-H? <laughs> sure. Something like this. Okay. <laughs> breadth. <laughs> that means that like it was a 9 to 1 ratio of yeah. stocks going up versus stocks going down. Mm -hmm. So this is some really, it was a very powerful move, okay? And what this means is that the buying was so widespread mm -hmm. that uh, 
that basically everyone who was going to sell already sold kind yeah. of idea. And this is a, sig a very bullish signal. I mean, look, we can cherry pick the data, but like this one, everyone started talking about this mm -hmm. on Twitter. And so I took note of it as well. And I don't usually look at the breadth, okay? Mm -hmm. But it was like such a great stat. Yeah. If you look forward like six and 12 months, the numbers are very good after you have breadth moves like this. Yeah, that I, re I saw some of the, probably some of the same things you saw, but they, they view that as a really bullish sign, you know, that that positive breadth number was uh, very encouraging for the long-term prospects of the market. Yeah, and so another thing that was what we saw last year and, you know, seems to be continuing uh, as we start the new year, growth and value, right? The Dow did way better than NASDAQ last yeah. year, like way better. Mm-hmm. I don't have the numbers, but like over 20% difference. Yeah. NASDAQ was down dramatically 30 some percent and the Dow was down, was it down less than 10? I was thinking it was high single digits. Yeah, yeah, high single digits. And so how do you explain that, right? Reconciling, Yeah. such a big difference. Well, there are different types of companies. NASDAQ 100 is high, high tech. Mm -hmm. Dow, it has different industries, right? It has tech like Microsoft and Apple, but also has you know, the the old economy. Remember in 2000, right. it was all about the new economy? Yeah. Well, the Dow has both, okay? And mm -hmm. so, you know, the Johnson & Johnsons of the world, you know, held up very well right. relative to the Amazons of the world. Not recommendations, um, but uh, this is the story of growth versus value. And if you look at a chart over the last 10 years, growth mm -hmm. just ran away from value. Value yeah. still made money, but not nearly as much as growth. And so if this, is, if this decade is anything like the 2000s after that crash, you would expect value to play some catch up here. Mm -hmm. Maybe value um, closes the gap by growing more, mm -hmm. or maybe the gap gets closed by growth coming down and having negative performance to close the gap. But at any rate, this is a parallel that we're seeing from decade two decades ago. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's really straightforward if you think about it. I mean, when times get tough and if we think there's a recession coming, people want to own companies who have products that people will buy regardless, right? People yeah. are going to keep buying toothpaste. People are going to keep buying, you know, food. They're going to keep buying energy, right? Yeah. Maybe they forego the, the newest iPhone. Maybe they forego a new computer or something, right? But it's those items and that's those are the value companies, right? So that's... Yeah, the Walmarts of the world. Yeah. They're still going to make money even in bad times because people need the stuff. Yep. So that's that's an interesting thing to take note of. And then finally, international versus the U.S. Same concept where the U.S. did so much better than the rest of the world in the mm -hmm. last decade. And now, starting last year, we've started to see international mm -hmm. close that gap a little yeah. bit. And part of it has to do with, with the dollar, right? The dollar seems to have peaked. And if it keeps going down, that's good for your that's good for us who invest in dollars owning international companies because if the dollar depreciates, that means we have more dollars, mm -hmm. okay? But also, the market has just loved the U.S. compared to international. And I think as, the, as we're seeing um, this growth in value story, it's like a parallel with the U.S. and international. International tends to pay, to be more value-based tends yeah. to pay more dividends. Mm -hmm. And it would be interesting to see international close that gap versus the S&P. 
Yeah, because it's been pretty big for a long time, but uh, this is you know an environment where they can make up some ground, I believe. It's been this way for like as long as I can remember, mm -hmm. and so you know, a client said, "What are we doing here with this international?" Right? Like he doesn't want to own it. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, maybe now is the time that you really do want to own it. Yeah, not a recommendation. But it is times like this and years like last year where you know, diversification does pay off, right? People used to just, why don't we just buy the S&P? That's yeah. all we need is the S&P, yeah. right? Well, you know, I've had actually had client calls and say, hey, you know, our, the account looks okay compared to, you know, some other, you know, when I look at the market, it's because the market's getting crushed because, you know, you're looking at all the high tech stuff, mm -hmm. right? Our account looks decent because we got international in there. We got some fixed income. We got some alternative investments, right? And that diversification pays off in years like last year. Yeah, and I think, you know, small caps, you want to have small caps as you're coming out of recession because yeah. they tend to, uh, to to be the leader coming out, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think international is interesting based on what we just talked about. And I think fixed income is very attractive mm -hmm. relative to the years past. So, uh, you know, those things are exciting, uh, but there definitely are headwinds, mm -hmm. no doubt about it. I mean, we're feeling good today. But the Fed could, you know, come out and do some Fed speak and change the market's mood just like that. Yeah, of course. And all of a sudden, the sky's falling again. Yeah, if they give us any sign that, oh, maybe we're not out of the woods or maybe inflation, you know, is going to tick up again, that, you know, that would, would definitely be negative news for the market. But the opposite side of that is if they say, hey, things continue to look good, uh, we might not have to raise as much as we thought. That would be a really optimistic and bullish sign for the market. So, yep. Okay, well, if you'd like to speak with us regarding your account or if you'd like to have a second opinion regarding what your financial plan and investment portfolio looks like, you can reach out to us at peakwm.com. Smash that subscribe button, right? The, the bell. There it's you the go. bell, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Talk to you next time. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.